Welcome to the Pathfinder Podcast, where we are all about exploring the path to self-betterment and healthy masculinity in today's world. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Tyler Cowan, and each episode I'll be sharing my own journey, relevant experiences, and insights as I walk the path towards self-mastery, fulfilling relationships, and improved mental health, as well as some fantastic conversations with some really exciting guests. Together, we're creating a community of you support and inspire each other to show up in the world in the most authentic way possible. So if you're ready to join us on that journey, let's get started. With Pathfinder being such a new venture, we're still very much in the growing stage of what this will ultimately become, which at times can be frustrating because I think I have this great desire to know what it's going to be so I can, you know, better formulate and structure what I'm doing to serve this community I'm trying to build. But at the same time, there's this really exciting opportunity to lay the groundwork for what that community ultimately becomes. And one of the things that I have wanted to do for quite some time and something that I think I need to do if this is going to become any kind of successful community, which is ultimately the goal. I want this to be a space where people can gather around a central ideology that feels natural to them, that feels at home with who they are and who they want to become. And as such, I've really wanted to create a sort of ethos, a code of conduct, if you will. You know, what is a pathfinder? Who is the kind of person that would describe themselves as a pathfinder or as somebody who finds home in this community? And I've wanted to formalize a methodology or an ideological underpinning that people can, you know, subscribe to or anchor into and ultimately bring into all aspects of their everyday lives. And one of the things that I've kind of identified on this list that I'm working through, and, and this in itself eventually will probably be a podcast of its own. I would like to actually have a formal conversation about the qualities that I kind of see being attributed to the Pathfinder in air quotes. But right now, as I work through that process of trying to write down and feel out those qualities and attributes, one of the things that stands out is the sense of hardiness, you know, that the Pathfinder is someone who has this resiliency in the face of challenge and a person who, by their very nature, heads into the unknown expecting challenge and resistance, but does so with this spirit of adventure even when those things are potentially cause for fear. And also this spirit of warriorship, however you might identify that, whether that's literal or figurative, but this idea of choosing not what is easy, but what is right. And I think that historically with men in particular, when we think about this kind of resilience in the face of challenge or the warrior archetype, there's this assumption that that individual is an island unto themselves, right? That they are someone that can handle everything that comes their way without assistance, that they are capable of handling all problems and winning all battles. And that is something that I want to steer away from because while those qualities are important to me and the person that I'm trying to become, I also recognize that there's incredible strength in being able to admit 
when you can't do something by yourself and relying on the strength of the people around you that you trust and confide in and you value and recognizing that sometimes you are only as strong as the people that you choose to keep around you. And so as a result, one of the other tenets, if you will, that I'm exploring and and wanting to add to this list of things, this code of ethics or this ethos is the pathfinder being someone who finds and builds their tribe, you know, who builds their community and seeks the lessons and the growth that come from that, you know, makes that a priority in their life. I guess as I work out the specifics, I would look at this at a high level and say the pathfinder is someone who can function when tasked with going alone, but puts that emphasis on community and friendship and fostering healthy, authentic relationships for the benefit of themselves and for the benefit of the tribe, you know, the community. So today, I think I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to explore that a little bit more. This idea of how important community is, especially when so many people are feeling alone and maybe misinterpreting the need to go alone. Loneliness is something that affects all people. But I think that right now we're seeing a disproportionate number of men in particular that are suffering from loneliness and isolation. And we're seeing the effects that that is having on the community at large. And so I want to take this opportunity to speak to everyone who's dealing with loneliness, but to the guys in particular, because I know that socially, this narrative of strength and resiliency and having to be these sort of stoic, isolated figures that can handle everything on their own, that idea is not serving us well. And if anything, it's it's harming us. And to be able to take the qualities that we feel are important about being those people that can stand alone, but to move that into the context of community, of family, of friendship, and allow those to build us up into better people. And for the guys, better men. There's a lot of guys out there who are struggling. And so if this conversation can help steer us towards a healthier way of living our lives and a healthy way of interacting with other people, with other men, ultimately that's going to trickle down into how we build out our relationships, how we interact with our family, how we interact with our kids, our partners, our friends, our colleagues, all of these things. And in doing so, I think it's just going to give us a much healthier outcome. And ultimately, we're going to be happy too. We're going to be much happier because loneliness is such a such a toxic thing. It's such a painful thing. And the absence of a good, authentic, healthy community can be detrimental to our well-being. I think as we enter this almost renaissance, if you will, of the digital era, we're seeing a huge decline in traditional communities. And I think the rise of, of social media in particular has a lot to do with that. It's definitely created opportunity for connection in a different way. But because we have this incredible access to other people from our homes, from our computers, from our telephones, 
telephones. That sounds so uh, antiquated. Cell phones. <laughs> um, we don't need to seek out connection in the traditional manner, right? We, we're, we're no longer in need of face-to-face communication or spending time with individuals because it's so easy to do so through these other channels. And I don't say this to discount what that technology has given us, because in some cases, it's actually an incredible asset for connection. Imagine if you live away from home or you have a long distance relationship, or it's the only real opportunity you have to connect to people. And I know that that is the case for some people and that this is providing them a great deal. But I think that generally speaking, it gives a lot of us this crutch when it comes to having to develop vulnerability and intimacy with other people. Because in most cases, the way we communicate through these channels lacks the depth that would get us to that place. And it's that level of intimacy that really gives us a sense of fulfillment and in many cases, safety and connection in our relationships. I feel bad thinking on it right now, but I'm just reflecting on how little time I actually spend with my family, with my parents, with my brother, you know, because it's so easy to send a text message or a few emojis or a a meme or an Instagram post and to have a short little exchange that way and feel as though I've made this bid for connection. But when I really think about it, I'm not getting the benefit of really spending time with those people, with really building on our relationship together. And And it's when we turn our phones off or step away from the computer that we start to realize how isolated we really are. And I think that COVID was the first real large scale demonstration of just how damaging this idea of social isolation can be. And I'm not an expert, not a social scientist, I'm not a doctor. But I do believe that we're going to be seeing the ramifications of that for a long, long time to come and that it's up to us to try and make an effort to continue to socialize ourselves in in healthy ways and seek out these relationships with good people. Because when we are by ourselves, and I don't mean alone because we can choose to be intentionally on our own and okay. But when we are truly lonely, when we truly feel that we have no one else that understands us, no one else that we can confide in, no one else that we can share what's going on beneath the surface, there's this real risk of mental health issues. We're seeing this huge rise in depression and social anxiety. There's an alarming spike in suicide rates, particularly for the men. You know, statistically, 75% of suicides documented right now are men. And social isolation is a significant risk factor. There's even studies now that there is a direct correlation between loneliness and our health, our long-term longevity. I saw some numbers from a study that suggests that loneliness and social isolation are actually directly associated with a 29% increase in the risk of heart disease and a 32% increase in the risk of a stroke. So when you think about it that way, it's not just the fact that we are lonely, we are physically chipping away at the years that we have left. And that's a scary thought. You know, that's a frightening thing, especially when this is something that impacts so many of us. 
But I want to take a minute here to speak to the men in particular, because like we said earlier, this is affecting the male population disproportionately. You know, if we come back to that number, three out of four suicides are men. We're losing way too many people. We're losing way too many guys. And I think, unfortunately, it comes down to men, A, struggling with this sort of emotionality and not knowing what to do with the feelings that they're having or how to navigate those things, but also because they don't have anyone to talk to or they're uncomfortable opening up to people. And that is something that we need to change. That is something that collectively, regardless of your gender or how you identify, that we need to be attacking on a unified front. Because in my opinion, the health of our society going forward depends on all of us being around to contribute. We need good, healthy men. And that is not to take anything away from anybody else. But I think there are a large population of men out there that are struggling to find their place in the world, to find where they fit, to to feel a sense of purpose and belonging. And that's just trickling down in really detrimental ways, right? It's it's affecting relationships. It's affecting children and the way that they're raised. I saw something recently that I really agree with. I think we have this cultural concept now of toxic masculinity. And what I'm about to say probably isn't super popular, but I don't really believe there is toxic masculinity so much as there are men who behave in a toxic manner. And it's that behavior that impacts so much of the world around them. It's not that being a man is toxic. It is not that masculinity in its purest form is toxic. It is that men who are struggling to deal with these emotional undercurrents that are rocking their foundation that's coming out in really harmful ways. And a lot of that, again, has to do with not having anybody to talk to or anyone to open up to or share with or to really hold you to account to say, hey, you know, I love you and I'm here to support you. And because of that, I need to call you out on your stuff. I need to let you know that you're kind of straying from the path and I know that you can do better, that you can be better. And I want to help you through that. Let's dig in and get started. We need to be surrounded by good people who care about us enough to do that for us when we need it, when we're struggling and when we're kind of sliding off the rails because it's bound to happen and it's a hard process to go through when you are completely on your own. I think it's also really important to find and build a community for yourself, especially for those of you who are in relationships, because when we don't have those people in our lives that we can step away from our everyday scenarios to commune with and share things with, it puts a lot of pressure on our partners to fill in those holes for us. And while a healthy relationship is certainly going to be a supportive one, I think there's a risk that when we are lonely and aren't seeking out those connections in a healthy way outside of our relational dynamic, it's also a lot of pressure to put on your partner when you make them the center of your emotional support system. Now, I don't want to go too far down the relational rabbit hole, but I do think it's worth noting that in the absence of a strong community, 
strong group of friends, a strong group of like-minded people where we really feel as though we're able to bring forth the best parts of ourselves and to, to give those qualities space to shine and to evolve. We're putting a lot of pressure on our partners to be our everything. And if we're struggling, that can be a lot, right? That can be a lot to deal with. It can be a lot for them to, to shoulder. And I only speak to this from personal experience. And let me give you a little bit of context. Historically speaking, I'm someone who's kind of struggled to find purpose and confidence in my own life. And I've looked to others to kind of give me that validation that I've been needing to find for myself. And when I found myself in relationships, I tend to put everything into that basket. I'm so happy to finally be somebody's partner that I tend to stop taking care of myself. I stop watering my own garden, so to speak. And I think for a period of time that looks good on the surface, you know, I'm spending a lot of time with my partner. I'm putting a lot into building up the relationship, making myself available. But what I've noticed for myself personally is that it's come at the expense of tending to the things about myself that made me interesting to that person to begin with. And I start to lose connection with my friends, with my activities, with the communities that I had outside of the relationship. And in doing so, I start to look to my partner to provide all of those things. And if you stay away from the things that make you who you are, eventually you start to fall apart emotionally. And in my case, I stopped really knowing who I was. I began to lose interest in my work. I began to really go down this slippery slope of existential crisis when it came to who I was and what I wanted to do. And I brought that into the relationship. And my former partner did a really good job of trying to support me through those struggles. But I think there's a threshold that you reach where eventually there's just so much pressure on them that things start to crumble. And if you're not careful, it can really take things to a dark place. And that's when I think you need to rely on community to help hold you up. And in the case of men in particular, you need strong role models of integrity, of experience that can sit with you and work through these things and bring forward the areas in your life that you're struggling and, and help you dissect those things away from the relationship so that you can work on that and bring your best self back to the relationship. And I failed to do that. And that was a hard lesson to learn, but it's made me really appreciate the community that I've sort of developed now and that I know I have these individuals in my life that I can go to, that I can open up to, that I can talk to about these things and take some of that pressure off of a potential partner. And I'm not saying this to paint a picture about how you should structure your own relationship dynamics, but I do think there's something to be said about spending time in community, especially when those communities are representative of the parts of ourselves that maybe don't get time to shine within our relationships. You know, the things that were of interest to us before we started dating, before we started combining our lives with someone else, the hobbies and the interests that kind of get pushed aside when your responsibilities take precedence 
happens in your life. And when you're able to do those things, when you're able to spend time in those spaces, you really get a charge from that. And I think that that is so important to boosting you emotionally and energetically. And like I said before, when you get that little boost and you bring that back into your home life, it only serves to improve that dynamic. And I think as I go forward in my life and look to re-enter a relationship eventually and share my life with someone, that's a strategy that I'm going to try to hold on to because I can fully admit when I put too much pressure on a partner to fulfill me. And I think we need to take the time to really assess what it is that makes us happy on an individual level and make time for that and to find other people who we can enjoy those things with so that A, we don't resent our potential partners for not being able to do those things because that's not their responsibility. It's up to us to find the time to do the things that we're passionate about that are important to us while still balancing our responsibilities and our relationships so that when we return to our partners, when we return to our homes or our kids or our workspace, we're invigorated, we're refreshed, we feel recharged because we've spent time in a space that's important to us. We've spent time around people whose company we enjoy, who challenge us, who nourish us, who bring out the best in us. I've mentioned in some of the recent content that I've put out that jujitsu has been a community that I found myself a part of this past year that's been very important to me. It's been really beneficial to my healing. It's given me a huge boost in my confidence. It's improved my physical stamina. It's given me access to a group of people who are not put off by challenge, who are not afraid to dig in and work through some of the hard things things that we come across on the map, but also in life itself. And I think that being around people like that has been really good for me mentally and is pushing me forward in my own life. And we have this joke, I think it's become sort of a trope, if you will, within the jujitsu world that so many white belts stop doing the sport once they get their blue belt, because so many people find jujitsu after a heartbreak, their confidence is low, they're not feeling very strong, and they have all this time to spend after they've exited a relationship. So they go, they get really strong, they get really confident, then those new attributes end up attracting a new partner and because they have a new partnership, they're so excited that they stop doing jujitsu and they pour everything into their relationship. Some time goes by and their partner eventually leaves them because they don't have a life outside of the relationship. And then they come back to jujitsu and the cycle repeats itself. And while that's funny, I also can look at that and say that that is indicative of how I've behaved in the past. And knowing that about myself, I don't want to do that this time around. I want to make sure that when I have a community that, like I said, improves the person I am so that when I'm in a relational space, I'm that much more attuned to my partnership and able to bring my best self forward. I want to make sure that that remains a part of my life so that I can actually maintain some of my individuality and the things that make me happy so that I can be a better partner, so I can be a better person within the context of my relationship. And if you're someone who's single, community is equally important. And in some cases, it might be even more so. 
because when you're in a partnership, you do have somebody that you can lean on. And like I just said, you don't want to get in the habit of putting too much on them, but you have them there. If the relationship is healthy, you know that you have a teammate, you know that you have someone that you can open up to that you can talk about certain things with. If you're by yourself, if you're single, you might not have that and you might crave that. And I can certainly speak to that too. You know, it's it's one of the places my mind has gone to often when I've been at my loneliest, wanting to find someone, wanting to have someone to spend time with and to share things with and to feel seen by. And in the past, that has motivated me to chase relationships for the wrong reasons. And I want to be careful when I speak about this because I don't want to give the impression that people should stay away from exploring relationships. But as I navigate that for myself now in the wake of a relationship ending, my focus is on cultivating the most authentic representation of who I am. And what I mean by that is that historically, I have been someone that if I am interested in a potential partner, my fear of losing them often results in me repressing certain parts of my personality or my interests in order to win them over, in order to ensure that they remain invested in me. And that is not a good thing to do at all, because eventually you'll begin to lose connection with yourself. And then that just seeps into your relationship and no good can come from that. So I want to spend time focusing on the things that I enjoy doing, making sure that I prioritize the things that are important to me, to spend the time on the activities that are reflective of my values, knowing that if I am a person that I am happy to be, that if and when somebody comes along, they're going to be seeing the most authentic version of me. There'll be no mask, there'll be no games. And if they like what they see, great. Let's talk about building something together. But if they don't, I know that I haven't compromised who I am and that I'm still available to find someone who might be a better fit for me. And in the meantime, I'm still able to cultivate relationships within my community. And I think that's what's really made a difference for me this time around. I was talking to a friend a week ago. And we both agreed that for the first time in a long time, even though we were currently alone, we didn't feel lonely. And that in large part was due to the amount of time that we were spending within our communities, within our friend circles. And I thought that was a really healthy corner to have turned in the past year for myself personally. Because life's hard, you know, it's constantly up and down and sometimes it's not easy to navigate that on our own. We're social creatures. We've evolved from this sort of tribal way of being. And we were never meant to do life on our own. It was never meant to be survivable that way, not in the Stone Age and certainly not now. Yet it seems that more and more, it's the direction that we're trending, right? Despite this increased illusion of connectivity that we're experiencing in the social media age. And it's killing us. It's literally killing us. There was a study conducted in 2015 by a team of psychologists at Brigham Young University, and they found that social isolation, loneliness, and living alone corresponded on average with a 29%, 26%, and 32% increased likelihood of mortality, respectively. That's crazy, right? That's, that's insane when you see it laid out like that. And you really begin to appreciate just how important this idea of social support is, this desire to belong to something. 
And I really feel that. I think that's why I've thrown myself so aggressively into my relationships in the past, often to the point of self-destruction, because I just desire so deeply to feel a part of something tangible, you know, that my existence matters to someone else, that I'm contributing to something bigger than myself. And community really helps to fulfill that innately human need for connection. If I'm honest with myself and start to think back on the periods of my life where I was lowest, you know, where I was suffering the most, and then the periods of my life where I felt most fulfilled, where I felt most myself, most connected, the former was always in the absence of community. And in the last year and a half or so, I kind of did an audit on my life and realized that I hadn't had that community environment present in my life for a long time and that I was really suffering, but I didn't know to what extent until I actually found myself in a community again. And it was at that point that I realized just how much value that brought to my life and how much we're missing out on when we rob ourselves of that opportunity to be with other people and to build ourselves up in a collective environment. And when we look at some of these statistics regarding isolation and loneliness, it's really easy to slip into that space without recognizing that it's happening. And then you get to a point where you are so far removed from the group that it's hard to get back into that space. It takes a lot of energy. And if you're listening to this right now and what I'm saying is registering, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling disconnected, you're feeling isolated. I understand completely. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. It can be emotionally overwhelming to try and navigate the insecurities that are holding you back from being with other people. You know, maybe you're going through something in your life where isolation felt safe and comfortable and sort of like an insulator from all the other things that were impacting you. And I can appreciate that too. But I also know what it feels like to come out the other side and to find people that you connect with, to find people that liven up your life, that really act to reignite the spark of who you were before you found yourself disconnected from yourself. And giving those embers, so to speak, space to breathe and to become a little bit larger and eventually kickstart this fire in your life, it's going to offer you so, so much. It's going to take you to a much better, much healthier space. And I really encourage you to find your people. So before we wrap up today's episode, I want to leave you with some actionable insight to help you do just that, to help you find and build a supportive community of your own. And just remember, you know, creating connections, building a community, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's potentially going to be a little uncomfortable, especially if this is a shift for you moving out of a space of loneliness and isolation. But just know that the rewards for your well-being are going to be immeasurable. So let's dive into a few suggestions here. I think the first thing that you really need to do is to sit down and take some time to really identify your interests. You know, discovering what you're passionate about is going to give you some actionable intel to help you seek out communities where you're going to find people who share your interests and who share your values, your priorities and your goals. And that common ground is going to be the foundation that helps you build strong, meaningful connections. You know, we all have responsibilities in our life. We all have areas that we need to compromise in in order to get through our day to day. But if we had the time and space to explore the things that were most important to us, 
what will we prioritize? You know, what things do we love to do? What things interest us? What are we really curious about? Explore that a little bit and flag for yourself what comes up. Maybe there are a few things. If you're someone like me that has a lot of interests and diverse ones at that, a friend of mine actually suggested once that I list those things and see if there's anywhere where those seemingly unrelated interests intersect. And that might actually help you further fine tune what it is you want to explore. Once you've got an idea of what really fires you up, then it's time to start looking for opportunities to engage in those things. And, you know, I know I said before that ideally we want to find the opportunity to do this in person, but there is a silver lining to the social media age in that it's created a number of niche communities and opportunity for people to come together and to discuss things that are interesting to them and to network, right? If your intention is truly to meet people and to build a community, the internet has provided unfettered access to individuals that you may never have had a chance to meet otherwise. So take advantage of opportunities to meet up locally, but also explore what kind of online communities exist because those might be a jumping off place for you to meet people that you can get together with. Just because it's an online community doesn't mean that it's not going to eventually lead to opportunities to get together in person. And a lot of people are actually using social media as a way to organize their in-person groups. So you might actually find yourself meeting and connecting with people online that you're actually building relationships with in person. The next thing I would say is just look to become more engaged in activities, you know, join classes, find some workshops or events that are related to your interests. Participating in activities that you love to do is going to increase the likelihood of meeting people who resonate with your passions. And when you find those people, chances are you're going to start to form real authentic relationships. And that's going to become an essential building block in creating a strong community. And when you find those people, don't be afraid to initiate conversations and interactions, right? We're looking to connect. So try to make yourself approachable and open and genuine in your interactions with other people, whether it's in person or online, because the depth and vulnerability that you offer up in your exchange with other people is going to directly correlate to the amount of connection that can come from that interaction. And that's going to lend itself to building strong friendships and in turn building a really solid group of people that you're going to enjoy spending time with. And lastly, just remember that building a community is a two-way street, right? You're going to want to actively contribute and support and nurture these connections that are starting to appear in your life. Make sure you're engaging in conversations with people. Make sure you're attending events. And when you're doing so, just try to be a positive presence within that community. It's going to pay you back 10 times over. I'm someone who would self-identify as being a extroverted introvert. So I like being out and around people, but I'm also very shy. And getting conversations started or meeting people can be tricky for me. But if you're like me, try to remind yourself that when you are approaching people within one of these spaces, that chances are you've got a lot more in common than you're giving yourself credit for. They're there for the same reasons. They're there because they like the things that you like. And that's going to give you a basis for connection. So I know sometimes it can be a little overwhelming, but try to lean into that a little bit. And you might find yourself pleasantly surprised. When I started doing jujitsu, I was really nervous to go through the door. It was a new experience for me that 
the thought of being in a fight gym was really intimidating. And I think that unfairly, I'd kind of created an image in my mind of what those people would be like. And when I finally got there, I found this wonderful group of individuals. And as I started to get to know them, I found that we'd all found this sport for similar reasons. And that gave us common ground. And then from there, you start chatting, you start to get to know each other on a personal level, and then you become friends. And then once you're at that stage, you really start to open up more, you start to share things about your life, things you're going through. And it just becomes the glue that creates these really special relationships that are going to offer you so much more than just participating in a hobby or activity together. These people are potentially going to become your family and they're going to become the people that you lean on in tough times. And like I said earlier, the individuals that are going to help reinvigorate you so that you can return to the other aspects of your life recharged and ready to go. And in the event that none of those strategies are working for you, well, there's nothing stopping you from creating your own community, planting your own flag and trying to create a space where like minded people can join you in whatever it is that you're passionate about. Pathfinder is the perfect example of that. I know that I have something that's important to me and I want to bring people together around that messaging and that ideology and create a space where people can support each other. So just things to think about, but I would encourage you if you're listening to this right now and you are currently without a community of your own or a space where you feel seen and supported, I would challenge you this week to look up some things that are directly related to your interests or things that you're passionate about or things that you're curious about and take some steps towards exploring that, you know, maybe taking a class, going to a meetup, going out and trying something. And just see where it takes you, see where it leads. You don't have to commit to anything, but give yourself a chance to be in that space and meet some people who are potentially there for the exact same reasons that you are. Because you never know, in a year from now, you could be looking back on that action as the one thing that changed your life. And that's exactly how I feel right now about the community that I found. So in the spirit of pathfinding, if something about your internal compass is pointing you in a particular direction towards a certain passion or interest, let that be enough to guide you. Let that be enough to start walking and just let the trail unfold as you go. You don't know where you're headed, but you also don't know where it could take you and it could be somewhere pretty incredible. And you know, like we've said, just enjoy the journey, especially when it comes to enjoying activities and hobbies and things that interest you. So just try to have fun with it and see where it takes you. I'll leave you with this quote. Community is much more than belonging to something. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us again this week for the Pathfinder podcast and for being a part of our little community, especially as it gets going. It means a lot to have you in on the ground floor with us. And if you like what we're doing here, I encourage you to go give us a follow on Instagram at pathfinder.co. That's P-T-H-F-N-D-R.co. We love hearing from you. We love interacting with you. Like I said, it's just really nice to be building a community with like-minded people. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to like and subscribe on Spotify. It really helps us out. The beginnings of this whole initiative have been humble, but it means so much to have you with us at this stage of the game. So thank you again for your support. Thank you again for taking the time to listen and participate in what we're doing here. And like we say each time, do the work, stay the course, and walk the path. 
We'll catch you in the next one. Thank you.